0: Beathard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes
1: down the field for Smith.
2: We got it. Smith touchdown, 85 yards.
0: 56 yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it to the back of the end
2: zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20,
0: 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game.
2: Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports.
1: Week 9 NCAA college football. How's it going, everybody? Will Talent here with Brendan Shorey and Brett Tulip. Week 9 of the NCAA college football season. We're past the halfway point now. Some big news out of Michigan. Other than that, kind of a quieter week as, you know, college football goes. A big top 25 matchup this week between Oregon and Utah. Some other notable matchups, but other than that, more of a quieter slate but lots of news out of Michigan. We'll start our show first. Actually, we'll start our show with a little bit of Army news. But before we get into anything, guys, how we doing today?
2: I mean, I can't complain. Just I had a few midterms this week. Finally got those over with. Now it's time to enjoy Halloween weekend, Parents weekend. I mean, I'm I, I couldn't be more excited.
0: Yeah, you know, same. Finally Friday. Uh, like you said, Halloween weekend exciting a uh, Fordham football game I'll be going to with my parents tomorrow so excited. I'll be at that game as well. We could we could just start with that. How about Fordham football, a little
1: FCS football playing Holy Cross big game. Big big matchup, <laughs> Biggest Biggest game. Of the year. Holy Cross goes down to Lafayette. That was very surprising. Now Fordham in a must I think a must-win situation mm-hmm. tomorrow against Holy Cross with the Lafayette game also looming around their schedule coming on, I believe, the 11th or the 12th. One of those days. Two really big games for Fordham football coming up. But let's start our show with the Army news. So now Army, they will replace SMU, who moved to the ACC or will move to the ACC. It was announced over the summer. They will move to the AAC and keeping the AAC at 14 teams for 2024 now this is the first time that army has been in a conference since 1998 to 2004 when they were in conference usa didn't have a lot of luck there never won more than three games in the conference but even bigger news army and navy now in the same conference so not huge huge stuff here obviously you know army and navy not really at the top like they were 80 some odd years ago but still pretty cool news. We'll get to see a regular season matchup between these two schools. We normally just get a nice traditional exhibition game, but now their regular season game has a lot more meaning to it.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I mean, this Army-Navy rivalry is one that's been so, it's it's a historic one, and it's one they've gone to every season. And it's one of those where you're not expecting a lot of points. It's a, it's a grinded out game. Both teams, close game every time, and Having that as as a regular season game as opposed to an exhibition game, where it it almost counts for more. Where in terms of, I mean, if it it's a conference game, if you win it, you move up in the conference. Potentially winning the conference. I mean, none of these teams are neither of these teams are expected to win the conference, but the fact that it's a conference game kind of, I guess, it kind of ups the intensity of that game a, little, a little bit. A little more spice to it. It does. It does.
0: Yeah, and you know. It's not super relevant in terms of, like, Army's general impact. I mean, they were ranked twice in recent years, 22nd in 2020. I saw in 19 and uh, 2018. Um, But, yeah, it'll still be exciting. And the Army-Navy, obviously, one of, like, the biggest, if not the, like, largest, most historical rivalry in college sports. So that that part is definitely cool. But overall, shouldn't – I don't expect Army to just – join and be at the top of the ASC. no yeah no. they're
1: they're not gonna be at the top they are yeah. they're two and five this year it's just it's a cool move to you know spice up a, a rivalry that's been in existence you know for a very very long time and they will also continue that traditional uh game that they play at the end of the season but it won't have any comp uh conference stipulations it'll just be the traditional game now how is that going to go? I think the intensity of the regular season game between these two now in conference is going to just completely trump the traditional game. So how are they going to how do you guys think they're going to work this out? Because I just don't it, I, I don't see the meaning behind the game like it used to if they're just going to play each other in the regular season now.
2: Yeah, um, I I think it it adds a game, though. It it, it it makes it so. Okay, so another matchup. Yeah. Okay. It, so, I, so you get to play you. them, yeah, twice. Yeah. Um, which I think, I think it 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 kind of the, the conference game has the intensity, but now it's it gives the team two two things to look forward to because neither of these teams are by any standards great teams, but you know that these fan bases are looking forward to that game, that big rivalry game, yeah. and so I guess it gives these fan bases a little more excitement, a little more something to get into that season if you're playing that if you're getting that rivalry more more than once.
0: Yeah, you know, I still think it'll be really exciting because again, you're not watching Army Navy for like quality of, of football <laughs> <No>. <laughs> to say. I mean, you're watching it for the history and the impact and like the passion that both of these teams and their fan bases show during the game.
1: Well, we'll see the records change. Uh, Army under jo- Jeff Monkin, ten year tender. He's had a uh, tenure. He's had five bowl appearances, two double digit win seasons. And he is 5-2 and two in his last seven games as head coach of Army over Navy. So that record, we'll see that twice a year instead of once. So a little cool note inside college football, but let's get to the big news now, guys. Michigan is having all sorts of problems. I know they're 8-0. That's great. They're second in the nation. But just opening this season over the summer with uh, the Jim Harbaugh uh, recruiting issues had to impose a or a self-imposed three-game suspension. NCAA did not end up suspending him, but suspensions, bans, all of these kinds of terminology just flying around Michigan this year. And it's this latest scandal now began with Connor Stallions, an assistant on Harbaugh's staff, came in in 2022 to help with recruiting. Here we go. A little bit of an issue there, and it, this all started with that 600-page "Let's Take Over the Program" doc that came out. That was re- that he had planned with other coaches to eventually take over the program. Just kind of in insane uh, behavior. So maybe not insane behavior. Just a lot of I don't even know how to how to put this. It just it it continues to get bigger and bigger. And the Associated Press had a pretty good article on it. Let's find paragraphs three and four. Yep. The NCAA inquiry was triggered by an outside firm's investigation, which turned up videos of and documented plans and budgets for impermissible scouting of opponents. The Washington Post reported the firm obtained computer drives maintained and assessed Accessed by multiple Michigan coaches, the firm presented evidence to the NCAA and suggested Connor Stallions, a low-level staffer who has been suspended by Michigan, was not the only person on the staff aware of the scheme, according to the report. So a sign-stealing scandal. Guys, just some initial thoughts before we really break down everything that's going on in
2: Michigan. I just think it's crazy. It's crazy how Michigan football is so eventful. It's so loud this year, and it's for the wrong reasons. And I think this is just another step this season. Again, you said it. I mean, you started with the, the Harbaugh suspension by Michigan. And now this, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. I would have never thought anything like this would happen in anytime soon. Um, I mean, buying tickets to, to these games, uh, these in-conference and both both out-of-conference games, too. Yeah, but some really big games, like two yeah. straight SEC championship games. Like teams that they would – most likely see in the college football playoffs like you can't you you can't make this up i mean it, it it's not looking good for michigan and i just it it took me by surprise i'm going to i'm going to leave it with that it took me by surprise
0: yeah for sure and i mean this whole situation just keeps getting more and more complicated and like more developed by the day um but definitely not something you want to see for again a team whose coach was already suspended the first couple games you know there's a bunch of Different reports from a lot of places, like you said, Washington Post has said that the Michigan computers uh, reportedly contain hard evidence of scandal. Um, they talked to TCU and they said they were aware of the sign stealing uh, attempts in the college football playoffs last year. Um, but one thing I thought was interesting was uh, Kirby Smart, Georgia's head coach, did say that he's never heard of anyone doing that. And there's nothing he remembers about the Michigan game that makes me think they did that. So again, just a lot of different perspectives from a lot of different sides, but I'd say it's pretty safe to assume that something shady went on. You know, I think I think we can say with, with pretty high certainty by now that uh they're not entirely innocent in this whole thing. No, oh, yeah,
1: I yeah. think that definitely something was going on, you know. Uh just I, I cannot get over the fact that they sent coaches out to record these games and now it just looks like, you know, these last few years that Michigan has really been a really good program, it, it just it taints it a little bit to me. It's just like, really, we this is how we're we're gonna record these teams with your iPhone, and try to steal signs that way. It just seems like now in in a lot of these major sports, we're we're just seeing that a lot, and it's very unfortunate. But it has sparked a little bit of um a. Movement, not really a movement, but just for more coaches to speak out on this issue. uh, One, namely with Matt Rule in Nebraska. I thought this was really interesting because he brought up he, – he kind of branched off of the sign stealing. He was, it was more of like, yeah, everyone kind of does it, which if Kirby Smart really had no knowledge of it, then I don't really know how that's true, yeah. but I guess that's besides the point. He did say, though, h- high school and the NFL – technology on the sidelines but in college there's nothing so i i what is the ncaa trying to do there now i'm not saying that um michigan you know they should be excused of anything any punishment that's going to come their way right because they're violating the rules however college football does have a serious lack of technology use in it and is this like an effort for the ncaa to just like I don't want to say stay archa- archaic, but kind of stay unique. It's like this is the stepping stone before football players become professionals. So why why are we not trying to help them be as better prepared as possible?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it is a little bit of a try to to kind of to be different in the NFL. I do think this is kind of a sign that they need to to get to that technology-based. I mean, you can't. You can't have a scandal like this go on in, like, your organization as the NCAA and then not do something about it overall. Like, you're, you're going to punish Michigan, but you got to make some big changes so this can't happen again. And I think that the biggest way is to kind of not enforce, but, like, bring in that technology. Yeah, implement in, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. bring in the, the head pieces in the quarterback's helmet, bring in all that stuff with the the coordinators calling the plays. you got to bring in that technology to kind of avoid this in the future.
0: Yeah, I think first off, like you said, if this is something that is being done, um, Michigan's about to ruin it for everyone. I mean, after this, the NCAA is gonna crack down and they're gonna investigate this. I read something, the FBI joining the investigation. Yeah, there's so a lot of yeah. different. There's so many different moving parts to crazy. this. Uh, but like you said, I I know it would be hard because um, they'd have to regulate it across every like program, all this new technology and. You know, every school has different budgets and what they allocate and what they care about. But overall, I think uh, we're definitely headed in that direction.
1: Yeah, I, I understand that too. With the with schools having different budgets, it's sti- still like even in high schools, a lot of high schools yeah. in this country, like they really, they they put a lot of time into football. You're from Texas, yeah. right, Brendan? So yeah. you you understand? Oh, yeah. T- high school football in Texas is so it's it's insane, right? It's I, unreal. It's pretty insane. I'm from New Jersey and our high school football, you know, it's not like Texas, but it's still like it's like that, though. There's technology on the sidelines. They're just playing at a speed of the game where you're, you know, you're like, wow, this is high school football. College needs to get to that. Like this is we're in a technological age. Yeah, let's let's come on there. Every sport is using technology every sport is also trying to adapt to technology as well. This could be a form of adaptation for the NCAA, but they got to they got to implement it. Some more quotes on this Michigan scandal. Multiple Big 10 schools have found records of tickets being purchased in their games in Stallion's as name over the last over the past 3 seasons and records show as we were saying before tickets purchased in Stallion's name to the last 2 SEC championship games that is unbelievable with how good Michigan has been over the last two to three years. According to the Post, the investigative firm told the NCAA that cell phone videos from the games were uploaded to a computer drive accessed by Stallions and other Michigan assistants and coaches, though there was no evidence presented to the NCAA directly linking Harbaugh to the scheme. Jim Harbaugh also said he had no involvement in this Obviously you know, what else are you really gonna say? Like yeah, I was like orchestra yeah, like, yeah, you know so just a not great situation for Michigan at 8 and0, second in the nation this year, it's gonna this season is just gonna be marked by tampered scandals from Michigan all year round. And honestly you I think this could this could we could really see this having quite the impact on them. With the second half of the season rolling around,
2: yeah, I mean this is it's it's something that's gonna stay in their heads. I mean, when you get accused of something like this, it doesn't just go away like that. It's gonna stay. It's gonna be a cloud looming over their heads. It's gonna be like almost like an asterisk, um, and they're all gonna see it. And they're all gonna they're all gonna kind of think about, oh, like did we really win those games, or or did did we steal the signs? It's like and the tea.
1: Broncos with Josh McDaniels when he was the head coach. <laughs> Did you ever see that interview with Brandon Marshall? Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, "We weren't that good. I knew we weren't <laughs> that good. <laughs> we were just recording the other team's defense."
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely gonna be it's gonna be something that's gonna be stuck in the back of these players' minds the whole the rest of the season, and and will it come back to bite them? Who knows? I mean, when you're playing in big games at the end of the year, it and it comes down to the wire. This may be a, a factor in that that they're like, well. It, I mean, we saw it. We saw it this year in, in baseball with the Rays. They had the, the cloud looming over their head with Wander Franco, and the second half their season did not go, did not go great at all. And now we're, it's not, it's not the same thing, but it's similar. There's a scandal with the team, and mm-hmm. and now it's the a big, it's big noise. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna impact their season moving forward.
0: Yeah, and it's again pretty disappointing for a team that's largely been doing really well over the last couple years i mentioned it earlier before we started recording but jj mccarthy is the betting favorite right now for the heisman trophy i mean michigan certainly from a football perspective has so many things to be excited about you you really hate to see like with the Harbaugh suspension and now this like there really is a lot of outside factors that are like bringing them down and could see you know it hurt their on the field performance we will see. They're gonna stay at the top for,
1: you know, probably this whole season. How far down they go, we'll see. We'll see how this really impacts them. I agree with both of you guys, though. This is, I think, this is gonna linger over them for quite some time this year. The fact that they were able to go eight and zero and win those first three games without Harbaugh is pretty impressive. But I think this is just a little too big at this point. So we'll see how Michigan's season ends up. You know, unfolding with all of this noise surrounding the program throughout the entire year. But let's get into some of the big matchups for Week 9. Number 1, Georgia. They will visit Florida. Number 20, Duke at number 18, Louisville. Another pretty fun, not overly big Week 9 Top 25 matchup. Here's here's a good one. Number 5, Washington at Stanford, Washington. They've looked really, really good this year. Kind of reminding me of TCU a little bit last year, but the one we want to talk about right now is number eight Oregon at number thirteen Utah. Why is this so important? A lot of Pac twelve standings implications. Obviously Washington seven and zero still at the top there. These two teams though six and one right behind Washington, and I think especially Oregon, there's a chance that they, um, you know, could end up going on some kind of run, really like Bo Nix and what he brings to the table and the offense that Oregon just has overall. Fifth consecutive time, both programs are ranked when meeting each other in the regular season. Both programs, big confidence coming into this week nine matchup. Oregon, a huge come-from-behind win against Washington State, 38-24 in week eight. Utah last week as well, massive W over USC, 34-32. We've seen what's happened to USC since then. So, uh, Utah... They're riding really high. Also at home, as I was saying, big Pac-12 title implications here. Utah, they've won the last three straight titles. Oregon, they haven't won in 13 years since 2010. Both teams already have a conference loss. Oregon to Washington and Utah to Oregon State. So big games for both of them. I think maybe a little bigger for Utah. Utah wins this game and then plays Washington in the next week or so, and they find a way to win that. Pac-12 in its last season most likely, could get really, really interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it really could. And you look at how the, the Pac-12 is structured this year, you have – the teams are insane. You have Oregon, you have Washington, you have Utah, you have USC. I mean, you have Oregon State, Washington State. These are all great teams. Most of them ranked as well. And I think I you see – I mean you said it, if if Utah's able to win this and they go and they play Washington it can make it really interesting. Yes, because then you have a a, a two-loss Oregon team, a one-loss Washington team, you have a Utah team with one loss, and these are all going to be great teams who are probably top 15 teams um, in the in the country. And so I think it it could be really interesting and I I I can't wait to see the way that this Pac-12 championship works out and then how the winner will work itself out as well.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Oregon is is six-and-a-half-point favorites, and as they should be. Bo Nix has been great this year. He turned himself into, like, a top NFL prospect, which is definitely something you wouldn't have said a couple years ago. But, again, st- his stats are 19-over-1, touchdowns over interceptions, um, coming off the the great win against Washington State. You know, you, it's really – been interesting because Oregon's been one of those teams that's like everyone knows is really good, uh, they just haven't been able to take the yeah, next they can't step. Put it all together. Yeah, I mean, they they haven't they been put it, it, it together. Herbert. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've had all the talent in the world, and they're gonna have another first, second round quarterback. Um, but with Utah, I think the key is the quarterback, Bryson Barnes, largely unproven. But again, big statement win against USC, outplayed Caleb Williams. Um, so we'll have to see. But I, I would say that uh, Oregon has the upper hand um, for sure. And if I had to pick, I would pick them as well.
1: I think Oregon has that they, – they have that offensive prowess. Utah has momentum. Oregon has that just overall, in general, offensive prowess. They, they really can get it going on offense. Uh, what you were saying about Bryson Barnes there, Brett – he had one of his best games mm-hmm. of his of the season against USC. 235 yards and three touchdowns, just one pick as well. He also 57 yards on the ground. So big game for him. Kind of just adds to the whole. They got a lot of momentum. Also, they have a lot going for them at home as well. I was reading 116 and 36 is their record at home since 1998. They are also 88 and 25 under Kyle Whittingham since he took over in 2005 at home. They're looking for their fourth undefeated uh, season at home in the last five years. I really didn't know Utah was that good at home, to be honest with you. They're always like a middle-of-the-pack kind of team. They're always, they're always in, the, in the conversation, but I did not know they were that good at home. As for Oregon, though, to highlight their offense a little more, they're second in the nation in both scoring offense, 47 points per game, and total offense, five hundred and fifty-one point six yards per game. Whoa, that is a big number. They they move the rock around a lot. They run they run a lot uh, between Bucky Irving and Jordan James. Bo Nix can move too. He also can throw that rock really really well. Leads the nation in completion percentage at seventy-eight percent, seventy-eight point four percent. And he's the only quarterback in the country with at least 15 touchdowns and just one interception as well. So I'm really looking forward to this matchup, this game. I'm definitely going to have it on. But I'm going to take Oregon. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites. So Mm -hmm. fun game. I'm looking forward to it. But let's hop into our last segment of our show this week. Let's talk about the Heisman Watch. We're more than halfway through now. I think there's some guys that are going to start pulling themselves out of the pack. Um, Some names to mention right here. ESPN has, right now, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams. Where's the third one at? Bo Nix at three. Makes sense. At four, Jordan Davis, Florida State quarterback. And at number five, Cam Ward, Washington State's quarterback. However, uh, as we were talking about, Brett, um, pre-show... J.J. McCarthy leading betting favorite to open week nine of Heisman of the Heisman rankings
0: yeah for sure and I think it's got to be J.J. McCarthy another name you didn't mention or maybe did but Jaden Daniels from LSU mm, yeah. mm-hmm. definitely needs yep. to be in the conversation and you know the stats 25 touchdowns five picks are uh, 25 touchdowns five rushing touchdowns and three interceptions just phenomenal numbers and K- Caleb Williams is starting to fall out of the discussion a bit. I mean, yeah. two ranked big losses. losses will do that, too. Y- you look at the wins they have this year, and there isn't a whole lot of like big wins against great teams. He's put up the numbers for sure, but if you could see a guy like Bo Nix put up stats like this week against another great team, mm-hmm. I think that would propel him to like number one. Again, we'll have to see with Michigan what happens with that if J.J. McCarthy will continue his great play, but it's definitely a really close uh, conversation right now, and it could change any week depending on who plays great.
2: Yeah, I mean, you um, you mentioned that Caleb Williams falling out. It's going to happen when you not only lose two big games, but you don't, you don't play well in yeah. those two games. I mean, he got completely outplayed against Utah, throwing three picks. I mean... When when you have back to back poor games, you're gonna drop in the rankings. He's still gonna be viewed as that number one guy when it comes to NFL draft time. But Heisman wise, he has not had a, he's not had a, an amazing season. Like he, we we were kind of talking about this before the show. If if you win the Heisman one year and you want to win it the next year, you have to. You have to outdo yourself mm-hmm. from the year before, and he is just not on pace to do that at all. I think that I think the draft
1: is really just kind of like on his mind. To be honest with you, that's that's where he's at. I think last year was the year for him. Not mm-hmm. saying that he's going to finish with a bad stat line this year. He's probably going to end up being at that that um, dinner where they're going to give out the Heisman Award. He's going to be a finalist. I, I just I have that feeling he's going to make it there. Uh, do I think he's going to win? I don't really know, to be honest. Um, I do think, though, these those are two big losses. And as you're both pointing out, you don't play well in those losses. It'd be different if it was a little bit of a battle and the other team just straight up outplayed you. But when you are the consensus number one overall pick in the NFL draft, hmm. I would say probably a year and a half before you were even drafted, you gotta you got to show that if you want to win that Heisman a second time. I really like Michael Penix here, just because of the work that Washington is doing as a team. He is really, really showing out. Over 2,500 yards through seven games for him. 182 completions on 257 attempts. That's good for Um, 70.8%. I like what you're. He's got 20 touchdowns too. 20 to five picks. That that's really really good. I he's probably gonna shatter his season than he had last year, which was already that was a great season. He had forty six hundred yards, thirty one touchdowns to eight picks. He's well on his way to having a similar if not better season. But Bray, I, I really like what you were saying to Bo Nix. If he has a great game against Utah this week, and then he they continue, um, this you know surge of offensive dominance, I think we could see Bo Nix's name in there, um, a lot more frequently and with a lot more seriousness as well. But there are any other guys that any other guys that aren't quarterbacks in your guys' opinion that really have an outside shot. I got two names that come to mind. I really like Marvin Harrison on Ohio State. Obviously how can you not? Do I think he's gonna win? I don't think so. Is it's tough. For a yeah. non-quarterback to win, who, who was the last one? Devonte Smith, Smith yeah. yeah, with Alabama. You, you gotta have to uh, you have, to have like that, that kind numbers, of season. Yeah, yeah that uh, that's just hard. And I think Audric Estime as well still should um, be given a look at what he's
2: done for this Notre Dame team. You, I mean, you just, you just took mine. I I was gonna go Audric Estime. I mean, the the rushing attack on this Notre Dame team to complement Sam Hartman's passing ability has been amazing and you look at estimate he's the lead back there he's got almost 800 yards he's got nine touchdowns he's got he's averaging over six yards a carry I mean he's one of the the main pieces why this Notre Dame offense has been so competent this season I think if if anyone has an outside chance to make it I think he's got to be up there
0: yeah I don't really think anyone else has a shot besides Again, Marvin Harrison would need to, and he's not on pace for it. But he would have to put up absolutely insane numbers, and the rest of those quarterbacks would have to struggle. Um, back, I know, I know you asked for non-quarterback, but back to your back to your Caleb point, real quick. Um, I watched him in high school. This guy was a, a five-star quarterback, right? You know, he followed Lincoln Riley in the system that produced. Heisman after Heisman, number one pick, Baker Mayfield-Kyler, number one pick, followed Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, stayed in the system at USC. I mean, this guy knew he was making the league from a young age, is purely focused on that. And I'm not saying like he's checked out or anything, or he's going to show up with some sort of injury and just prepare for the draft. But I, I do think... I I hate the cliche of some guys want it more, but I do think there's other quarterbacks that are focusing on now and focusing on winning for this college football season as opposed to focusing on which team's going to draft me, which team's would I play for, which team could I get a minority stake in. Yeah,
1: I totally agree with that. I'm so happy you just brought that up. I was going to say, when you make comments like that, well, you know, he didn't say it directly. I really think that's his dad talking, to be honest with you. But the kind of comments that we've seen out of Caleb Williams, yeah, I don't I don't want to say that he's checked out either. That's just kind of the lie no, yeah. when, when you say the certain things that you're saying because you know you already got that Heisman Trophy and you know that you're going to be the number one overall pick to wherever you, you're you going to go. Dictating what you want in the NFL it, before you even reach there is so crazy, though, man. Yeah. How could a team... Just be like, yeah, we want this guy. He wants to own part of this team, and he wants all of these other things before he even touches a training camp or goes to an OTA
2: for this team. I mean, that you you just you can't make demands that early. Yeah. You can't. I mean, yes, and that egregiously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, you just can't. <laughs> you had a great season in college, but it's still college football. Yeah. You are not a professional yet you don't have the the standing to be able to make these comments i'll only play for this team this team this team any of that you just aren't you're a great quarterback you're gonna be the number one pick but you don't have the capacity to be able to say who you're gonna play for and who you're not going to
0: yeah and again if you're him it, it makes sense because like if you were if you were done right now you would be the number one pick no matter what and there really isn't anything he could do to not be the number one pick but from this point, he only has things to lose and nothing to gain. Yeah, so absolutely, it, it is easy to understand from his perspective. But as a college football fan, it's just not something like you ever really want to see or like talk about. Yeah,
1: and it's tough. You know, you you look at his his draft capital. How are these NFL teams are going to react to this? It's like we I I got to keep saying I don't think he's checked out. But when you give up a give off a vibe like you are checked out, mm-hmm. how is an NFL team going to confidently say, "Yeah, we want you." leading our ship here but when you know times are not um i guess like what's what's the right way to phrase this when it's when when it's convenient for you to win kind of thing Mm -hmm. like usc they are a great football program i i think if if caleb williams is in it full for usc this
2: team could be like undefeated right now yeah yeah i mean they they're filled with talent on on both sides of the ball. And we saw Caleb Williams when he was fully checked in last year. He was unstoppable. Hooping. Hooping. He was unstoppable. And then you come to this year and and you got he's got a lot on his mind. He's got the draft. He's got all this stuff. College football is, is not as high on his list. It's not as much of a priority, it, at least as it seems. And he's just not playing as well. And this USC, USC team, because of that, is also not playing as well. They've dropped two um, already this season, and I mean, they, they, last year they had college college football playoff hopes. Yeah, they don't they don't really have those those aspirations no, anymore. Like they season like twenty third now. Yeah, you you can't make it as a two lost team. No, and and they've already lost two, and so I mean, yeah, I Kelly Williams is, it sucks. The, the it sucks team's just not they're not playing up to the level they should be. Well. I think that's just about going
1: to do it, though, guys. A lot of fun discussion in a more in a relatively slower week, but Michigan not really making it slower. They're making it pretty noisy here in college football. But week nine, it's coming. We're past the halfway point now in the NCAA college football season. Heisman race is really starting to heat up. Lots and lots of football still yet to be played, though. That's going to do it here on College Gridiron for Brett Tulip. And for Brendan Shorey, I'm Will Talent, and College Gridiron is a production of WFUV Sports.